Give it up, baby. I've studied all your moves. Yeah, study this! Good everybody, welcome to episode number 13 of the Forbidden Technique podcast on the Fight Site Podcast Network. With me, your host Silas Martin, my co-host as always, Christian Reynolds. Today we're going to be just hitting a quick preview of mostly the main card from this week's UFC Fight Night card. Uh, there's some stuff on the prelims, kind of, but not a whole lot of it's jumping out to us at the moment, so we'll see what we get to, but um, main event. Uh, last week, as I said, a kind of depressing sorting match at the top end of light heavyweight. Tiago Santos versus Magomed Ankalaev. Tiago Santos, uh, insane beloved action fighter who totally beat John Jones and exploded his knees. And Magomed Ankalaev, the light heavyweight iteration of the Dagestan archetype. And um, in a weird way, I think if we were looking at a f- completely physically intact Tiago Santos... There could, this could be a surprisingly challenging stylistic matchup for Magomed Ankalaev in a fight that I would probably still favor him. But um, we probably think Tiago Santos is kind of shot since um, blowing out all of his all of the tendons in his legs in the John Jones fight. So um, there is that, but. Um, yeah, Magomed Ankalaev is a very well-rounded, con- consistent fighter. He's got some good boxing fundamentals, that tricky southpaw jab that it seems like I'm talking about every week now. Decent kicking game, all of the classic southpaw double attack stuff. Um, can work his right hook off of his left high kick, makes decent use of front kicks. And then in the wrestling and grappling, we see just all of the stuff that makes the uh, Dagestani guys so difficult. Uh, relentless chain takedown wrestling up against the cage and really consistent top control and never accepting bottom position and always finding sweeps and winning scrambles to regain dominant positions and then Tiago Santos it's kind of the opposite of all of that he's just complete he's complete insane he's a fucking lunatic he generally just throws crazy athletic kicks from super long range and tries to swing ridiculous counter combinations when he gets into the pocket is surprisingly accurate even when he's punching like a crazy wild man he seems to make surprisingly good decisions in a fight that it's that's a complete mess quite a lot of the time other than you know maybe in that Glover Teixeira fight where he had Glover Teixeira constantly on the verge of being knocked out at almost every moment but then Glover Teixeira kept winning scrambles I do think it was a factor that Tiago's knees were shot but um Tiago also kind of got taken down up against the cage by Eric Anders in a fight where Tiago ended up winning scrambles and essentially knocking out Eric Anders on the ground. But just stuff that's just not a good look against Magomed Ankalaev. He also just has a worrying tendency to concede a lot of space and let himself be pressured. His answer to that is normally, like rather than trying to get back into a favorable position, he will just like sit down and try and lash back out with a crazy combination to scare his opponent off. And 
a lot of the time that just gets him counted and knocked the fuck out. Or at least did at middleweight. It seemed like his chin maybe got better when he moved up in weight. This being the largest guy that Tiago's fought at light heavyweight is kind of dangerous for him. You know, because Uncle Live is almost heavyweight size. He's like a pretty imposing guy physically, and he has all the stylistic quirks that normally tend to be difficult for Tiago, especially at the stage of his career where he's, his hips are gone. And his, I mean, maybe his hips are fine, just his knees are, are still kind of whack. But he's really old. He's had a long career. I don't see like that clear of a path to victory for him outside of just random explosion. Like he still definitely has his his wildness on the feet that is pretty difficult to deal with. But Uncle Ives seems kind of well schooled to handle that type of style. Like Utalaba is a lot worse version of the Tiago Santos type. But you know, he he's got a lot of the a lot of similarities. He's just very aggressive and, and fucks people up on being very powerful and fast. Ankalai have handled that guy twice. So yeah, it is something that I appreciate about Ankalai in a similar way to what we talked about with RDA last week. That he sees some fucking wacky guy doing a bunch of stupid shit, and he just looks at him and punches him in the face and just wins easily. <laughs> just, just, just doesn't let any of it phase him. But you know, Thiago Santos is he's still just a craftier fighter than Ion Kutalaba. And I do think if he was still there physically, just the fact that he's so fast, so powerful, would be able to compete with kicking range with Magomed Ankalaev and also will spend a lot of time in Southpaw, which shuts down a lot of the stuff that Magomed Ankalaev likes to do from the open stance. There is some question about how he even handles a Southpaw. And he knocked out Dolce Lungambula, who is a Southpaw, but, you know... He's left-handed. He barely has a stance. And Magomed Ankalaev still ended up shifting into orthodox to set up uh, an open stance finish. So so that's the thing. Um, but yeah, Tiago's not going to like triangle him off of his back like Paul Craig did, which I just had to, I had to bring up. Just to remind everyone that that happened when Magomed Ankalaev goes on to be light heavyweight champion because he got, he got triangled by Paul Craig and it was funny. Still his only loss. So Uncle Ayev in his fight against Ozdemir, it was kind of a slow fight just because uh, Ozdemir was willing to just have an outside kickboxing match with Uncle Ayev and not really press anything or get too aggressive. And Tiago Santos was really uh, tentative about getting aggressive against Johnny Walker. So maybe this fight won't be very entertaining. I wouldn't like that, but there's a, a recent history of that, and I could see maybe one of them hits the other one pretty hard early on, and then they have each other's respect, and then... Nothing else happens for the rest of the fight. But let's hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, for all of Tiago's history as like a wild man brawler, it really seems that in these later stages of his career, he is slipping more and more into his old man counterpunch mold. And he is really quite tentative about leading. But I think what made that fight so completely infuriating was that Johnny Walker just wouldn't lead on Tiago Santos at all because he was being John Kavanaugh technical. I think Magomed Ankalaev is going to do stuff. I don't think he's going to make exchanges happen. Um, so do you have a pick? I would say Ankalaev, uh, third round TKO after Santos does pretty well early and then just gets cracked really bad and then finished like really shortly after. Fuck it, I'm picking Tiago Santos to pull out one last crazy high kick KO against my better judgment and having just laid out all of the reasons that he's definitely going to lose. It's like, it's a non-zero chance and it would be cool. 
And then in the co-main event, uh, Marlon Marias is being loaded into the muscle cannon to be fired into the sun by Song Yudong. Um, yeah, Marlon Marias is like kind of definitely shot um, in the way that he just falls apart in every fight where he can't get an early finish and then just gets finished like like brutally. And um, he's still incredibly dangerous early. He kind of hasn't dropped off offensively other than the fact that he can't maintain it like at all. He basically knocked out Marab Dvalishvili like two or three times before losing that fight. But Marab's just so insanely durable and has such insane recovery that he was able to get back into the fight and Marlon had gassed himself going for the finish. Um, and Song Yudong is also just one of the most durable fighters in the division. And uh, it's really hard. He's really fast. He's a fantastic athlete and he's a pretty well-schooled kickboxer. Um, I'm not ruling out that he could get cracked early and it could get dangerous, but if Marlon can't get the finish, there's like no way Song Yudong doesn't knock him out either towards the end of the first round or somewhere in the second yeah, I'm getting the vibe that they're going to have an exchange early into the fight after not doing much for like a minute, and it's going to be Yudong getting cracked way harder, but the thing that he lands in the exchange actually knocks out Marais as they land at the same time. That's kind of what I feel like is going to happen, because a guy with that much of a chin and not great of defense is going to get hit a lot by Marais, but I don't think Marais actually has it in him to take out a guy like Yudong at this point. And even in his prime, he probably wouldn't have been able to finish him early. Like, it's really hard to finish Song. It is very hard to finish Song, but, you know, Marlon Marias is kind of one of those guys who who that doesn't matter against. It's pretty hard to finish Jimmy Rivera. It's pretty hard to finish Aljamain Sterling. <laughs> yeah, if anyone is going to finish him, it would definitely be Marlon Marias. So, again, there's there's some possibility that Marlon Marias could just deck him with a left hook or a head kick in, like, the first minute but uh, I got to see it to believe it against a guy like Song Yudong. So um, I have got Song Yudong by sickening knockout in the first round. I'm going to say Song Yudong by tepid knockout in the first round. <laughs> Just kind of buzzes him on the temple. Then Marais falls all weird, but is like still kind of awake and gets TKO'd. At least we're picking different flavors of knockout. <laughs> yeah, it'd be too boring if we were both said he's going to get earth shatteringly knocked out. And then I kind of fascinating featherweight matchup between Sadiq Youssef and Alex Caceres. Uh, Sadiq Youssef, a year or two, was looking like one of the hottest prospects at featherweight. Still clearly very good, but has had some bumps in the past. And Alex Caceres, a longtime veteran of the UFC, who it's easy to forget how fucking old he is because he looks like 12 and just has such a youthful energy. But... um he's kind of like on the best run of his career. Uh, having gone on a four-fight win streak against guys kind of at the bottom of the division, but looking really good doing it. And then um, having a crazy come-from-behind comeback win against Sung Woo Choi, uh, a guy who before that a lot of people had pegged as the new hotness at featherweight. So... It's real interesting. Um, Sadiq Yusuf's kind of a pretty good, just like pressure boxer. Kind of has the classic MMA fighter problem of having a lot of cool little tactical ideas, but not necessarily understanding how he can implement them all strategically. 
Yeah, this is a weird fight where uh, both guys, like, it seems like Sadiq is a terrible matchup for Caceres, but I still find myself wanting to pick Caceres because he, he's got a, he's going to have a noticeable reach advantage. Uh, Sadiq Yosef doesn't like fighting people that much taller than him, I don't think. Well, do we just want to pick Alex Caceres because we like him? Yes. Uh, yeah, but a lot of the stuff that gave Sadiq Yusuf problems in the Arnold Allen fight, it seems like uh, a kind of just like Alex Caceres staples, utilizing a reach advantage to jab and kick someone up from the outside. Alex Caceres, he will concede ground so much and just keep backpedaling, but he's pretty consistent about like pivoting off of his lead hand and getting to the center. He's nice about hitting his right hook off of his jab. He's good with his southpaw kicking game. I mean, Arnold Allen is definitely more offensively potent than Caceres and was giving a, Sadiq Yusuf a lot of trouble with like the the lead hand fight from southpaw, which is how he, set, how he was setting up a lot of his offense, which I don't know if this is, is entirely something that Alex Caceres is going to do. And although Sadiq Yusuf, he's pretty consistent about staying on people and cutting people off against the cage and keeping good position relative to his opponent. But I still wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of just get picked apart by by a long guy who's comfortable moving backwards and just kind of follow him around a little bit. Yeah, it, I see everything that Sadiq does leading towards being really difficult for Caceres and giving him a hard fight. But Caceres has shown himself to be able to take a good shot and keep going. He has great recovery, a really good chin, and he doesn't give up when things are going wrong. I mean, he is almost definitely going to drop Alex Caceres at some point. Almost definitely. And I think Sadiq is going to look like he's going to win the fight really hard before he gets rear naked choked in the third round. And that's my pick. Alex Caceres, RNC third round. After jabbing up and busting up Sadiq's face. Yeah, I mean, that really is his finishing. It's also his get finished. Yeah, it is. He lives and dies by the rear naked choke. But he was getting he was getting kind of shit kicked in the first round of that Sung Wu Choi fight. But you know, kept in there, just believed in his jab, started making Sung Wu Choi kind of uncomfortable as he was getting his nose bloodied up and just like really recklessly got into a clinch situation where Alex Caceres is really sneaky about doing the weird tall guy standing back take into securing a rear naked choke. It seems like Sadiq Yusuf's also probably pretty well equipped to defend that. He's just added gym that has good jujitsu and that doesn't really seem to have been an issue for him at any point in his career. We actually could see Sadiq try and wrestle Caceres to a decision, but I think that would be ill-advised. I think he's better off just trying to track Caceres down against the fence and bomb on him. Has Sadiq ever done that? Uh, he wrestled a bit against Feely. Which is also, is also kind of a bad decision, if you think about it. Yeah, and it's a long dude that's uh, very experienced, but doesn't push his advantages very very substantially in most fights. Yeah, but also um, just a way more consistent scrambler who's a lot harder to out-wrestle than Alex Caceres is. Yeah, so I came into this fight being like, I'm going to pick Alex Caceres, and then we talked about it, and I'm like, Sadiq is definitely going to win, right? He should, but I can't give up on Alex Caceres now when he's gotten this far. Like, he snuck up on so many people, but he didn't sneak up on me. I've been rooting for him since the beginning of his win streak that he's on. So I mean, me too, And I, uh, but there's got to be a point where the just uh, sending good vibes into the universe picks aren't going to work out. 
But I'm going to say it's not this time. I'm going to pick Alex Caceres by a decision. Yeah, this time I'm going to join you in picking the guy that we're almost like 90% certain is going to lose. I'm going to say Alex Caceres by third round Rooney could choke. Nobody can stop us, and there's no consequences if we're wrong. The Khalil Roundtree is fighting Carl Robeson. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to guess either someone gets knocked out in the first round or it's a decision. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, Khalil Roundtree kind of has all the physical and technical advantages, but only as a striker, and he kind of only wants to kickbox. Carl Robeson might just might just take him down like pretty easily. Or, I mean, we haven't even really seen Khalil Roundtree have to deal with a clinch that much since his uh, since his Thailand rebirth. Yeah, and even since then, like... Well, yeah. Uh, But, you know, he did just get, like, uh, instantly knocked the fuck out from a doubled collar tie by Johnny Walker. And um, have you seen Carl Robeson's knockout against Ryan Spann? No. Wait, yes. Yes, I have. Oh, yeah, it is wacky. Just hits a couple short elbows on the inside while Spann's going for a takedown up against the cage and he just dies immediately. So, um... I don't know. Maybe that's going to happen. I don't know. This fucking, this is light heavyweight. Khalil Roundtree is like the inconsistent fighter at the weight class. He he can like destroy a guy with a sidekick to the knee or he can lose a decision to Marcin Prachnio in the span of two fights. Yeah. Uh, it's impossible to pick him because like sometimes he looks really good or at least looks like he could be really good. He's obviously an insane athlete and has been at a good striking gym. But he's such a space case. He's he's really the, the new Uriah Hall, but like less consistent. Yeah, Khalil doesn't even have any consistent tricks that he does every fight. I mean, he'll low kick, and he'll throw really powerful left hands. And I hope we, see, we, I hope we get to see the switch kick to the ribs of a downed opponent make a return at some point. One of my personal favorite techniques. Yeah, I'm going to say Carl Robertson by decision as kind of like the, the really depressing pick because I'm sure everyone's hoping for a first round KO. I'm going to pick Carl Robertson by rear naked choke submission. Yeah, or knockout. Who fucking cares? I don't know. Um, Drew Dober's fighting Terrence McKenney on super short notice. Uh, I believe he was supposed to be fighting Ricky Glenn. So I guess at least he's been in camp for a guy who's going to grapple him. But, you know, Drew Dober going to get grappled. Um, Terrence McKenney seems like a pretty good prospect. A little bit hard to assess because he just has so many finishes in like the first minute. Uh, so, But he's just obviously an insanely dynamic athlete. It appears that he has pretty strong wrestling background and... That's how he came in winning his early fights, but has just been getting wacky knockouts recently. Um, whereas Drew Dober is another just like a uh, really powerful southpaw kickboxer dude who doesn't like being wrestled. Terence McKenney, I mean, he fought really recently. It was one of the last cards. Uh, he won by rear naked choke submission in the first couple of, first couple of minutes. So uh, it was at least a fight where he basically didn't take any damage, got, got out of there pretty easy, but... You know, you never know with short notice things how how people deal with their weight after a win. 
and just yeah, where, where people are at in terms of peaking in camp. He's a former featherweight, so it's probably not that bad to make it down to lightweight. Do you think Terence McKinney can out-wrestle Drew Dober? Because if he can't, he's probably going to get knocked out, right? Yeah, I'm kind of feeling Drew Dober KO too, because you know Terence McKinney has a history, and not like a long or extensive history of getting finished in this second round after trying to win the first round really aggressively. Pretty much just the Sean Woodson fight, to my knowledge. But, I mean, you know, Drew Dober, he'll fuck you up if you start wavering in a fight, and McKinney did in one of the only recent fights where he's gone long. So it's hard not to read a bit into that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I guess one thing about that fight that I kind of noticed is that Sean Woodson, uh, I think he started to get reads on Terrence McKinney making, like, kind of doing the same takedown entry a bunch. And it just seemed like he was confident enough in his ability to defend the grappling situations, particularly after not getting rear naked choked in the first round, that he was like, okay, I can just try some shit when he goes to take me down now and just like ended up knocking him out with an absolutely sickening flying knee. Um, I feel like Drew Dober is a little more likely to get scared out of his striking game if he gets wrestled really hard really early. But Terrence McKinney, you know, he's not like Islam Makachev or anything. He's pretty good, but he also, like, got triangled by Derek Minner. Um, and he's also a southpaw who throws a bunch of just, like, huge raw left kicks early. And, I mean, that got Nasrat Hakpras knocked the fuck out by Drew Dober in the first, like, couple of minutes, who otherwise I don't believe has been finished and is really tough. So, um, I don't know. This is a hard one to pick. Yeah, if McKinney comes out to bang in the first, like, two minutes or so, it could actually get real interesting. Like, the fight could be very violent, but I, my heart's kind of telling me that McKinney is going to wrestle Drew Dober really easily the first round, and then Drew Dober's just going to stay around. And then Drew Dober's going to, like, get a finish in the second or third. Because Dober, his power lasts throughout the fight, and McKinney tends to have a lot of difficulty if the fight goes past the first round because uh like he, he had to get a well let me look at his record uh he has a round three heel hook like really early in his career and then a bunch of round one finishes and then a loss in the second round like if you just look at the his topology page it's very strange seeing how frequently he either wins in the first round and then the few fights where it doesn't end of the first round he has to win by either a heel hook which isn't really normally part of his submission repertoire it's more of an arm arm bar and rear naked choke guy. or something that's really replicable at the UFC level most of the time yeah so you know any guy that just goes out to try and knock people out in the first minute is always going to be a little hard to pick if the fight goes past a round and Drew Dober is very durable, and he hasn't been submitted early in a while. Normally, got to at least get to the second round. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm maybe with you that if McKinney can't get the early sub, then it maybe favors Drew Dober as it goes onward. You know, even though Drew Dober, he, he, he can get out grappled, and that can make him more tentative about the rest of his game. He still, you know, had some struggles with Alexander Hernandez early and then knocked him out. Yeah, and this is basically a better Alexander Hernandez. Yeah, I mean, Alex Hernandez also will definitely fall apart if he can't just dictate all of the terms of the fight early. So, I don't know. 
I'm feeling Drew Dober here just for the experience edge. And I, Terrence McKinney's clearly good, but I just need to see more from him to be able to trust him. I'm with you on that. I'm going to say Dober's second round KO. It's also pretty hard to pick someone on short notice uh, whenever it's, you know, a dramatic level change. Like he, he went from fighting someone that's like not really that good to fighting Drew Dober, who has been pretty proven, even though he's lost a lot of his elite fights or fights that could have made him elite. Yeah, Drew Dober's had his issues, but he's still like one of those guys who if you beat, you you should be getting a ranked fight after that. Yeah, he's a gatekeeper, and I don't think Terrence McKinney has what it takes yet to be able to get past the gate. No, I think he has a lot of potential, but I don't think I don't think he's there yet. I think this is a dangerous one for him. And he's young. Losing this fight doesn't like ruin his career or anything. It's just a good person for him to fight at this point, probably. Definitely doesn't ruin his career any more than getting submitted by Derek Minner. But also, you know, if you're going to lose to Derek Minner, that's how you're going to lose. Kind of would have been worse if he lost a decision to Derek Minner. So opening the main card, we've got uh, Alex Pereira versus Bruno Silva. What should be an insane action fight for as long as it lasts. Of course, Alex Pereira, former middleweight and light heavyweight glory champion. Pretty much one of the best kickboxers we've ever seen around those weights. Of course, has that uh, knockout win over Israel Adesanya. Arguably the only guy to definitively beat Israel Adesanya in kickboxing, given the slightly controversial nature of some of Israel Adesanya's decision losses in kickboxing. Uh, versus Bruno Silva, who uh, is finally fighting someone who he gets to bang with. Because he just keeps like fighting people who try to take him down and then like ending up on top and knocking them out. Um, so this should be, yeah, this should, this should be crazy. I think it's going to be a really good fight. People fight them the same. Like it feels like people treat Bruno Silva like he's Alex Pereira when they strike with him. They're just so scared to fight him on the feet. And then he knocks people out on the ground. I'm kind of picking Pereira to just fall down at some point during an exchange and then get knocked out on the ground. But that's mostly a spice pick. If it stays on the feet for an extended period of time, Pereira's going to get him. Yeah, Bruno Silva's just too much of a wild man. He's so much fun. He's kind of got some of the old Tiago Santos vibes. He's not like as kicky and he's a lot more insistent about moving forward and like fucking people up when he gets them up against the cage. But there's so much of that just like staying composed and throwing insane heat in a stupid fight where dumb shit is happening, but finding good shots. Did you say he's specifically said that he's just going to go out and bang with Alex Pereira? Yeah, he wants to have a kickboxing match with him. Everyone's been grappling him and making him not be able to show his level. He wants to fuck someone up. Yeah, I mean, so that's insane. Alex Pereira is probably going to like knock him out with a left hook by accident. And that's not an indictment on Silva's chin. No. Bruno Silva's got a fantastic chin. Um, but kind of like I said about Marlon Marias earlier, that you, you can't even take that into account when you're fighting Alex Pereira. He is genuinely... And I know how cringe it is when Joe Rogan just like jizzes himself over this, but he's genuinely one of the most nuclear punches that is walking the earth. Every finish he has is like the embodiment of the Jeremy Stevens meme. Like 
all of his knockouts are guys dying completely and being out for like several minutes. Uh, he's got a bunch of ways to do it. He's very dynamic. He's very consistent about just keeping people on the cage and cutting them off. And it seems like he's taking MMA seriously. Uh, you know, he has the classic kickboxer goes over to MMA for a fight to get paid and then gets rear naked choked. And he did that whole thing. We've seen it. Um, but in his last couple fights, he's looked good against absolute layups, but against guys who he could have found ways to look bad against if he wasn't taking MMA seriously. Been in situations where he's you know, been been off balance on kicks and people have tried to take him down. People have clinched him up. And he's just stayed calm and just waited for his moment and just, you know, believes in the fact that he can just nuke someone completely dead at any singular moment. So, um, you know, if Bruno Silva's actually just going to bang with him, then that's, like, definitely going to happen. He's going to get fucking killed. It's... Although it only takes one. It's MMA, baby. Bruno Silva's got this. He's in there on the feet. Those tiny gloves. Her is a kickboxer. He's not used to that. I mean, you know, Khalil Roundtree knocked out Gokan Saki. These things have happened. And Bruno Silva's better than Khalil Roundtree. <laughs> So, I mean, Bruno Silva should just, like, try to get one takedown because he is incredibly violent on top. And I think if it gets there, Alex Pereira, he's been training with Glover Teixeira and he's obviously just had a lot of urgency about developing that area of his game and using it as the ancillary skill set that he needs to just be able to kickbox with people. But if if Silva gets on top, it could get nasty. But yeah, should um, probably just be a crazy highlight reel KO for Alex Pereira to try and... Uh, Try and just fast track him to uh, an Israel Adesanya rematch in MMA. Uh, if he wins this, they should probably just give him like Darren Till. So um, that's the main card. Uh, Christian, you insisted on talking about JJ Aldrich versus Gillian Robertson. So um, you go ahead. Yeah, it's exactly my type of fight. It's maybe the best technician on the. F- not on the feet overall, but as a pure boxer in the division. But she's a terrible athlete and doesn't isn't really fast. All of her power is mostly just her mechanics and timing. And then Jillian Robertson, who's one of the least physically imposing people in the weight class, but also maybe the most substantial submission threat. So it's it's like a striker versus grappler match where neither of them has much of an athletic advantage. So it's gonna be it's gonna be strange. I'm gonna pick Jillian Robertson by submission. But JJ Aldrich is definitely in the fight on the feet. Yeah, I'm also going to pick Jill by submission, but I'm going to pick JJ Aldrich to jab her up a good bit before it happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say Jillian Robertson arm bar round one. <laughs> that, that feels like a pretty consistent pick for her. But also, second round, if, if her opponent goes to turtle, Jillian Robertson always gets a rear naked choke if you go to turtle against her. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Yeah, there's like kind of maybe some stuff on this prelim card, but I feel like most of it's just going to be more interesting to talk about after it's happened. So yeah, join us next week where we'll be recapping all of the stuff that happens on this card. We're also going to be taking a look at next week's Fight Night card, UFC London card headlined by Alexander Volkov versus Tom Aspinall. I don't feel like doing the whole Patreon ad read, so I'm going to splice in the meme one that I did from a few episodes ago. We'll see you guys later. Later.
Remember, if you guys enjoyed this content and all the other stuff the Fight Cut the Site does, then consider supporting us on Patreon. 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 You got all the shit you need MMA, boxing, Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, whatever the fuck you guys need. High quality analysis from all of your favorite analysts like Ed and Ben and many more. For just $3 a month, you get access to a library of like 200 videos breaking down fights and other stuff. From there, you get a whole list of tiers, including a Discord server full of the chadviest chads on the internet, fucking content requests, scouting reports, instructionals, well, whatever the fuck you guys want. Support us on Patreon. Fight site, fight site, fight site. Patreon, Patreon, Patreon.